From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. How can parents help their children and teens cope with the coronavirus crisis? I'll speak with child psychologist Wendy Gordon by telephone. She's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Upstate, specializing in child clinical psychology. Thank you for making time for HealthLink on Air, Dr. Gordon. Of course, my pleasure. So what are the common reactions of adults and of children in the face of this virus? Well, adults, certainly, we're all human. Fear, anxiety, concerns about their health and safety and health and safety of their children, and then other things like financial concerns, job status, etc. With children, some of the same fear, anxiety, what will happen to them, why can't they go to school, why can't they see their friends and other family members. It's got to be hard, um, depending on the age of the child, to, to explain that to them. Why can't they go play with their friend, right? Well, that's true. It is hard. And I think that the key points to consider in talking to your child um, is to, first of all, talk to your child, start a dialogue, asking questions like, what have you heard about this coronavirus? gives you an opportunity to find out what your child has heard, is thinking about it, and to correct any misinformation that they might have heard. For example, that all elderly people will get sick. Elderly to young kids mean any grown-up, so they might think that means you um, or their own grandparents. Um, You can encourage older teens to research themselves a bit using CDC or WHO websites. But I think the key points are be honest, but not just negative. Most people who get this virus don't get extremely sick, and most people who get sick get all better. Some people who get sick will die, but most people will get better. And explain why they might see people wearing masks, why schools are closed, et cetera. So, for example, people are wearing masks so they don't give other people germs if they have a cough or a cold or they just don't feel too well. It does not mean they have the coronavirus, it does not mean that they're going to make you sick. I think it's also important to let your kids know the precautions that you're taking for yourself and for them to help them stay healthy. So first, washing your hands, keeping things at home very clean, emphasizing the importance of hand washing and making sure they do it correctly and often. And making things like hand washing coughing or sneezing into their elbow or into a tissue, a game for the younger kids. If they forget to do one of these things, don't get angry, don't be harsh with them, just something like, oh, well, you forgot, now we need to wash the sneeze or the cough off with soap and water. You want to reassure your kids that grandma and grandpa and other elderly people are taking care of themselves too to help keep them from getting sick. And that many things, including their schools, are closed because this is another good way of helping people to stay healthy and not give their germs to others until this virus is under better control. And I think, lastly, to answer this question of yours, let your kids know that it's normal to feel scared or frustrated. Any and all feelings are okay. The feelings are normal, but you also can express the fact that you know that those normal feelings can be uncomfortable. 
for younger kids, you can explain it as thinking of it as their brain helping them to remember to stay healthy and remember to hand wash. For teens, their feelings show that they care about what's happening and wanting to keep themselves and other people healthy. This seems like a moment where parents have the opportunity to rise to the occasion. This is the tough job to be a parent and do all the things you just mentioned. That's a lot. You bet. You bet. And so I think one of the most important things that the parents need to consider is that we all deal with low levels of anxiety and stress on a daily basis, and we generally cope well with them. But intense chronic anxiety leads to emotional dysregulation and causes us to act impulsively, less intelligently, and less efficiently. Anxiety stems from unpredictability and feelings that we are not in control. And when you think about what is happening with this virus, those are two of the feelings right at the top of the list. Anxiety um, and leads from unpredictability. We don't know what's going to happen, how long this is going to take, how much worse it's going to get. And we also feel like we lack control to deal with the situation. And those feelings can affect our thoughts, behaviors, our physical functioning, headaches, stomach aches, chest tightening, sleep difficulties, increased levels of irritability. So I think that one of the most important things a parent should consider before going into any of the how do I deal with my child, how do I help them, is we need to pay attention to our own emotions. We are human. We have all the same feelings and maybe more awareness of what's going on than certainly the younger kids do. We need to pay attention to how we're feeling first. There's an old expression, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, and we can broaden that to dads and other adults as well. If we don't have control of our emotions, we're not going to be in the best position to assist our children and other members of the family. So if you are stressed or anxious or irritable, your children will absolutely pick up on those feelings. And very often, they reflect your behaviors in their own. So they will act anxious or irritable or withdrawn or aggressive. You want to stay calm. You want to manage your own anxiety. I realize easier said than done, but we can talk about some strategies in a minute if you like. Talking to a partner, talking to a friend, talking to a counselor, um, talking to a religious, um, your religious counselor, priest, rabbi, imam, um, whatever helps you as an individual to calm down because if you're calm, you then avoid scaring your children. Slow, deep breath, in and out, in through your nose slowly, out slowly through pursed lips, and can decrease your heart rate, your pulse, and literally physically calm your body. It's good for adults, and it's great for kids as well. But we need to be in control of us before we can be helpful um, and effective in dealing with our children. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with child psychologist Dr. Wendy Gordon from Upstate. Now, what about uh, a parent who wanted to avoid discussing this situation entirely? Is it a good idea or not to 
go that route and keep your child sort of in the dark with what is happening outside of the... That's an excellent question, and I think that for most of us, our our knee-jerk instinctive reaction is to try to avoid things that are frightening, difficult to understand, or unpleasant. But I would strongly say to parents, for all but the very, very youngest children who clearly have no awareness of what's going on, um, and I'm talking about little, little ones, two, three, and under, um, but accepting that very young age group, you definitely should not avoid these kinds of discussions. Children need to have relevant, truthful, age-appropriate information. And if they feel that you don't want to talk with them about this, they'll get the feeling that the subject is off-limits, which generally leads them to worry more, get their information from less reliable sources, which is usually wrong information, or use their imagination to try to offer themselves explanations for what's happening, and those are often incredibly frightening and incredibly inaccurate. As the parents, as the adults, we need to be the people our kids trust to tell them the truth. However, you don't want to provide too much information that the child can't understand. The goal is not to increase their anxiety or have them misinterpret what you said. So you want to um, give age-appropriate answers and listen carefully to what they're asking. Um, That was one of the reasons I suggested a few minutes ago that you might start out by asking your child what they've heard and what they know so you know what information they have, making sure it's accurate, correcting it if it's not. Um, And just letting your child know that while this doesn't have to be talked about endlessly every day, that you are the person they can come to if they have questions, and you will answer honestly what you know. Let me ask you, when a household has a level of stress or anxiety um, in it, Are misbehaviors more common in kids? Are you likely to see them acting out more? Absolutely. That's a possibility. Um, Kids mirror what they see at home. And if there's arguing intention and significant irritability and emotional dysregulation in the adults, it's no surprise and a high possibility that you will see these kinds of behaviors played out in the children. Children manage their emotions in various ways, as do adults. There may be more arguing. There may be more fighting. It may get physical. It may stay verbal. Some kids may get very withdrawn um, and more anxious. We talk about the differences between kids who hold things in um, when they're very worried or frightened and um, and other kids who let things out and are more physical. Um, whether it's verbal, verbal aggression, or physical aggression. Um, but that can certainly happen. It can also happen when kids are extremely bored um, and sometimes will argue with one another as a form of entertainment. But there's a very, very serious concern that in households that were not perhaps particularly well emotionally regulated to begin with, um, there could well be increases in domestic violence, in, in intimate partner violence, 
um, that the children either witness or get drawn into directly, and that's a very real concern. In the little bit of time we have left, what are some practical strategies for managing anxiety, your own as a parent, as well as for your child? Okay, well, a couple of things. First of all, limit access to mass media and television, both for you and your children, because unlimited watching of even factual information increases our anxiety, particularly with the accurate information that we're hearing now. After a point, the anxiety literally takes over our brain and ends up with constant emotional dysregulation. It becomes like an endless loop of anxiety fed over and over and over again. So one thing I would say is that we all want to have information and updates about what's going on. So for adults and older kids, if you feel you need to watch a news source, schedule that for no more than two or three times a day, once maybe in the early morning, once in the afternoon, and once in the evening, but several hours before you go to bed so you can get relaxed again. We want to have the facts but we don't want to overwhelm our ability to think clearly. Don't watch TV or have your adult discussions when your kids are present or within earshot. They pretty much hear everything that goes on, especially when they're not supposed to. Hmm. And in terms of other practical strategies, remember, it's physical distancing, not emotional distancing. We're social creatures. We crave connection. It's not physical contact for now, but it can be FaceTime, phone calls, letters, text, talking to a relative or friend from outside through their glass windows or their glass doors. Teens especially should be encouraged to call their friends. Going outside, walking with a partner or walking with your child. And the last thing I would say is establish and stick to a daily routine. All of us do better with, again, predictability and having some control over our behavior. This is especially true for kids. So eating, sleeping, doing schoolwork, practicing instruments, taking some leisure time, whether that's board games or reading or family moving time, uh, movie time, should all be scheduled and routine, particularly Monday through Friday when the kids normally would have a routine at school and the parents at home or at work. Children should go to bed at a regular time, and it's crucial to include some type of physical activity or exercise because physical movement helps calm both kids and adults, and young kids especially need activities like jumping or dancing or walking. But the last thing I'd want to say is that the more you keep to your typical daily schedule, the more you can help decrease your own anxiety and feel some control over this situation, which acts as a direct feeder to decreasing your child's anxiety and also them feeling some control over the situation. Because remember, lack of control and lack of predictability are major sources of anxiety and emotional dysregulation and predictability and routine that we can provide, albeit in a, a more confined and restricted way, um, are the, the really crucial things in setting up what is the temporary normal or normal in an abnormal but temporary situation. Well, great advice. Thank you to Dr. Whitney Gordon. She's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at Upstate, specializing in child clinical psychology. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's HealthLink on Air.